Good software testing strategy is one of the best ways to save developer time and shorten software development lifecycle time. Software test suites grow from small quick suites at the beginning of a project to larger suites as we add tests and the time to run the suites grow with it. Fortunately, PyTest has many tricks up its sleeve to help shorten those test suite times. Nicholas Meinzer is a software developer that recently wrote an article on optimizing test suites. In this episode, I talk with Nicholas about the optimization techniques discussed in the article and how they can apply it to just about any project. Thank you to Azure Pipelines for sponsoring this episode. Many organizations and open source projects are using Azure Pipelines already. Automate your builds and deployments with Pipelines so you spend less time with the nuts and bolts and more time being creative. Get started for free at azure.com slash pipelines. Welcome to Test and Code, a podcast about software development, software testing, and Python. I am super excited to have uh, Nicholas Meitzer here on Test and Code. We tried earlier this week and from for some various internet reasons didn't work, so we're crossing our fingers that today will be great. So welcome to the show, Nicholas. Thank you. For people that are not familiar with who you are, could you introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Hi, uh, my name is Niklas. I'm a developer from the south of Germany, Freiburg. Um, I work uh, in medical IT, and um, yeah, we make a web de- uh, web app, and um, yeah. And it's a Python-based web app? That's right, yeah. Okay. We use Werkzeug, which is the HTTP stack of um, Flask. And basically, we build our own stuff on top of that. That's probably an interesting topic in and of itself. But uh, yeah, that's actually that's actually the first uh, topic I ever gave a talk on. Uh, I think there's still a recording somewhere out there. Uh, talked about Werkzeug at EuroPython 2015, I think. Okay. Yeah. If people want to hunt that down. Yeah, and you've you've spoken at a couple uh, EuroPythons, right? Uh, I think just this one, and then a couple of PyCon DEs. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know there was a, a specific uh, Germany-related PyCon. Yeah, you, you can't really make out the difference. PyCon D is all in English as well, and um, it's basically just the same people. <laughs> basically, we just find we just find excuses over the year to, to meet and, and have a good have a good time. Oh, uh, yeah. I got to try to get figure out ways to get to more PyCons. So, how long have you been involved with Python? Um, I think about six or seven years. Basically, when I uh, when I first joined my my company, I was still in university and I I had touched with Python uh, just like you know, just uh, f- to get my feet wet, but really I was more of a C++ guy. And then this company ha- posted an ad on on like a sc- student mailing list looking for a student assistant who is uh, proficient in Python and, and web applications. And yeah, I answered and I said I, I I can do none of this, but I'm very interested. And yeah, that's how I how I ended up there. I love that. That's great. Yeah, I learned everything there. So I'm sure I can learn it, but uh, I don't know it yet. Exactly. Uh, nice. Bring the spirit and learn learn the skills along the way, right? I think more people should do that. That's great. And then PyTest specifically, have, have you been using that for long? Yeah, we have have been using that for from the um, PyTest two days. Okay. Um, so I, I, are we now on five? I, I'm, I keep forgetting. Or is it? 
Five, yeah, we're up to five. Yeah, there, there you go. I don't know so. if they follow any specific scheme with that, but yeah, it, I, it feels like they, they've been uh, ticking that number up faster in the last well, couple of months. Well, there's been a lot of excitement around it. There's been people using it for all sorts of stuff. So, And so one of the things um, that um, I've wanted to have you on anyway, but the you wrote an interesting article about uh, optimizing a test suite. And oddly enough, it's not something people talk about that much. Yeah, that's right. I was I was a bit surprised myself when I when I basically I went to Google and said, and tried to find out how how to improve a, a test suite. Uh, the, basically, we have a test suite, and personally, I felt it, it took too long. Maybe we, we can have a discussion about this uh, separately. And I think you had a had a uh, an episode recently where you basically uh, said that um, yeah, the, the the speed of a test suite doesn't really matter anymore, right? <laughs> well, and I, I I actually listened to that at the time when I was researching this, and I was like, hmm, wait, am I totally wrong here? But <laughs> I think, yeah, it's basically you can look at it from different angles, right? Well, I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna bring that up at the end, but let's go ahead and and hit that. <laughs> um, yeah. Does the speed of a test suite matter? I mean, clearly it matters, but why does it matter to you? Mm. Yeah, so well, to put specific numbers on it, I think our test suite when when I started this project took about five to six minutes, which many people will say it's not very, very long, right? So I've been working on some open source projects with, which have tests with it that run 20 minutes or, or half an hour or something. Um, but I, I don't know, for, for my personal taste and, and my, my team members agree, and we just like to run our, st- our test suite very often. We like to practice TDD and uh, when you're working on... Um, on a feature, then, then you want, you want to see immediate, uh, you want to get immediate feedback, basically. You want to see, did I destroy anything? Um, where, where am I in the, in the development cycle? So you want to run your tests often and you don't want to wait for them. And another thing is we, when we have the test running in, in your continuous integration environment, then yeah, you can take, I mean, you can, you can post a PR and, and, you know, do something else and come back later. But, but when you really want to get something merged and you, you don't want to sit around just waiting for the green ticks to arrive. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So on my defense, um, on the long, like being okay with long test suites, it's more on the side of, I want to make sure that we're testing thoroughly and I want to make sure that people time is valued more than computer time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for certain situations, I mean, I would just love to have a five or 10 minute test suite. That would be awesome. Uh, and in, in some cases that's unacceptable. If I'm working on a lo- a small Python library, I mean, that's ridiculous to take that long. Uh, but I'm, if I'm working with uh, hardware and software together and test signals, I, it has to take a while. The speed is definitely still important. For instance, let's say I've got a test suite that runs for a half an hour. Mm-hmm. If it's only running at night or running a few times a day, there's plenty of half an hour slots. Let's say we're okay with a half an hour, mm-hmm. but then I add hardware. We're now we're supporting four different kinds of hardware. If I can run them in parallel, great. Then I can just run them all at the same time. Mm-hmm. But if I can't run them in parallel for some reason, then it's you know it's two hours instead of a half an hour. So it, test suite times are very important. But one of the things we do, since we do have to deal with long test time, times, is focus in like when we're developing a particular feature we usually don't run the whole suite we run like a subset mm-hmm. oh yeah okay that makes sense so do you do any of that while you're developing or since you've got this down to so fast you just run it all the time 
everything. When I'm developing a specific feature, then I don't only run the tests that are, are rel um, relevant to it. So yeah, I do use filtering, obviously, and and yeah, you can you can obviously do much more with PyTest. You can group stuff with um, with marks and, and and things like that, um, and basically have something that you run on your so. Uh, there's there's a specific term to call it. So, so tests that you do only that you run on your own machine and tests that only run in, in CI later. This episode of Testing Code is sponsored by Azure Pipelines. Azure Pipelines is a continuous integration, continuous delivery service that supports Python and any other language and lets you run automatic builds and tests of your code on Windows, Mac, and Linux. It is fully integrated with GitHub and lets you define your continuous integration and delivery pipelines with a simple YAML document. Azure Pipelines is free for individuals and small teams. If you are maintaining an open source project, you can get unlimited build minutes and 10 concurrent pipelines. Many organizations and open source projects are using Azure Pipelines already. Get started for free at azure.com pipelines and automate your builds and deployments with pipelines so you spend less time with the nuts and bolts and more time being creative. Again, that's azure.com slash pipelines. I like that you write up this, and you kind of picked up like three different areas that I think apply to any test project. One of the first things is uh, to pay attention to the collection time. Can you describe that a bit? Sure. So that's something that is especially annoying uh, when you're developing, and even if you only run one or two tests, PyTest still has to collect the whole test suite. And that's done by importing all of the modules that you pointed to. And um, yeah, basically, depending on what you pointed to, that can take a long time. And we initially had that pointed at our root directory. So PyTest really went and imported all of our, basically our entire repository to find all the tests. And that took a long time i think it was about 10 seconds and that doesn't sound very long but it's very annoying when you don't when you just want to run a test um over and over again yeah it can it can add up basically the uh pytest feature there's a collection only thing so you can just tell pytest don't run anything just collect stuff did you use that to time how long that took yeah that that, that was one of the interesting command line flags for python that uh, for pytest that i discovered along the way so you can as you said, tell PyTest to just collect the tests, show you what it's collected, and then be done with it. And then you can wrap a time around that call, and then you know immediately how, how long your collection time is. One of the other things that some people have done for um, startup time for PyTest is to try to uh, limit the number of uh, plugins that are, even the built-in plugins that are being used. Have you explored that? Oh, no, I didn't, actually. Okay. That's probably a good idea. And yeah. I was also wondering if maybe there was some some way to cache this collection because I I would think that that you would somehow I, you could look at the, at the files and what has changed and maybe uh, somehow figure out which files you wouldn't have to import again. I don't know if that's maybe something a future feature of PyTest. I don't know. Yeah, for large test suites, that might be an interesting thing. So you picked up on. Um, and it's a it's a simple thing is that a lot of people start pytest and tox does this by default to just start pytest at the at the root directory of uh, a project and right. th that includes not just your tests but everything that's a really quick easy simple optimization is to just 
um, add the appropriate setting in the any file to say, hey, just um, just test this directory or, or a list of directories and files. That's right. So the easiest thing to do if if you if you don't have an any file, you, you, it will take just take the, the current directory or whatever directory you give it on a command line, and but may, most projects will have an any file, and then you can list uh, li- give it a list of directories or file to import. That's right, and that's what we did. So um, yeah, we pointed it directly at our test directory, which which uh, sped things up to about three seconds or two seconds. And then we had the problem that we were missing some tests, and those were um, actually doc tests from from a couple of our modules which still had doc tests or still have doc tests and um, you can tell pytest to also import and run doc tests but for that you obviously have to look at the look at the modules where where the doc tests are and what we ended up doing is just giving these two or three modules that have doc tests directly to pytest as well okay which is sort of a compromise yeah yeah that's nice i like it one of the other parts that you talked about was um, setup and teardown optimization. And I know that most projects could take a look at this. But in your article, you discussed the uh, database connection. What were the fixtures like before the optimization and what did you do to fix that? Right. So obviously as a, as a web app with the, with the database connections, we have a lot of, uh, yeah, many of our tests use, use a test client with the database connections to basically mimic HTTP calls to it. Which is very, it's very nice to, to program, very handy. And you can be, you can write tests that are really close to what you will then later be doing in production. But, um, obviously this way, yeah, you have, have a lot of boilerplate that, that needs to be, needs to be run for each test. So basically we have, we had a, I think it's called a client fixture that tests could request. And then that would basically, um, create the complete database for them. And uh, we, we we use a SQL, SQLite in-memory database, so we use uh, SQL Alchemy for for the ORM, and it's really cool because you can you can just uh, use a SQLite in-memory database, which is really fast, um, and it's easy to throw away after the tests. Uh, but um, yeah, even this fast operation, if you do it uh, uh, a thousand times, it still it still accumulates, right? Yeah, and so. What I then wanted to do is to uh, look at a way th- where I can, for the whole test session, only once create a database, keep it, and for each test, just clear it. So each test still gets a fresh uh, database, but uh, it doesn't have to be created for each test. It's just, just It was just cleared. And the rationale behind that, this is obviously that data, I mean, this, this is just me uh, uh, assuming things, but I, I guess... Uh, database um, engines are optimized for stuff that they do often, uh, which is, for example, deleting stuff or inserting stuff, or selecting stuff. But creating tables, that's not really an operation that you do often. So I guess that's not as optimized. That's just some assumption there. But yeah, so uh, basically what I did is uh, I split the split the fixture up into two fixtures. One that's just the database engine. And that's a session scoped fixture now. Uh, so the session, uh, the database engine will only be created once per test run, uh, per, per test session, basically. Uh, it creates all the tables and it's then there, um, available for the other fixture, which is the, the client fixture still. And it just uses this, uh, this database engine and just clears, clears, uh, all the contents before, before it yields, basically. Nice. 
Yeah. So the uh, the clearing of it ha- can happen before every test, but you only set up the database at the beginning of the test suite. That's right. And and this took, of course, some trial and error um, to figure out which uh, which is the the, the quickest um, the quickest configuration in which you can do this. And really, if you just if you just tell it to drop all the tables, uh, there's a, a little hack you can do for SQLite. You can just um, disable all of the uh, consistency checks, uh, so you can drop the tables in whatever order, and it it won't do any uh, consistency consistency checks after each drop. That speeds it up a little. So you say um, you disable all the checks, drop all the tables, and disable check uh, enable the checks again. Okay. Yeah, and then you're good to go. Now, I don't know if uh, SQLite allows it, but um, some people also do this double-level thing with uh, transactions. Around a test, you can start a transaction before the test runs and then roll it back after the test. Yeah, sounds interesting. But it really depends on what your database uh, functionality allows and whether you're doing tra- if you're doing transactions within the test, then that won't help you much. But Probably not. Yeah, we're doing transactions. Uh, the, I guess the ORM does it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that that um that the simpleness of uh just starting with an open database um I I even I, it was like the the best example I could come up with for uh multi-level using multi-level fixtures. It's used all over the place. Like we can I do that with uh test instruments, the connection to a device and making sure that certain firmware's loaded and all sorts of extra work that has to be done can be done once and then i know that the code within the test is not changing certain things but just right before a test a lower latency call that's just a get us back to a reset state and uh yeah it speeds things up a lot so um i mean this is great for databases it's great for really any resource where you can set uh, the connecting or setting up of a resource but you don't have to do it every time so that's cool i like it yeah pyatest fixtures is a mighty tool and um yeah scoping can be a bit confusing i think uh if you start up start out using fixtures of different scopes that use each other and you you must be careful in which order you you use the stuff yeah a function scope can use a module scope but not the other way around it makes sense if you think about it but um yeah sometimes you just have to uh, do some extra thinking how you want to structure your stuff yeah i mean like one of the things that people run into right away is um is uh using temp directories uh, because the default temp directory fixtures are function scope, which you kind of want them to be. It's a temporary directory for your test. If you're using that in a fixture that's module scope, you suddenly have to use a different fixture be- because of the scoping rules. But ah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Is there then a, an extra fixture for for the, for the other, other scopes? Yep, there's a tempter factory. Ah, yes, yeah. And then there's there's a temp path factory that's uh, session scope. You can have temporary directories be PyTest native objects, or if you want to use pathlib, there's one for that too. So it's cool. Yeah, cool. Um, now, the last thing I wanted to talk about was um, you have this uh, story about uh, PDF reports. Can you? Uh, that's right, yeah. So what happened with the PDFs? So that's another in- interesting thing that I uh, noticed uh, that took some time. Uh, basically, our software spits out PDFs on the site whenever interesting things happen it's a it's a medical software and and you know um, doctors hospitals they want records of everything so um it's baked into the software that pdfs um are created for certain events when documents within the software change state and stuff like that and it's so baked in that you can sometimes you, you test something completely different and you change the state of of a document and 
PDF comes out, you don't even notice. And for the creation of the PDFs, what we use is uh, LaTeX or LaTeX, whatever you want to call it, uh, that thing. Um, and that's and we use that with a with an external call, to, a popen call, uh, so or sub sub processed call. Yeah, and um, obviously that, that that takes some time to open the call and let the PDF be generated and come back. And um, yeah, to to mitigate that, I, I didn't want to. So basically, you can obviously can, you can mock this out in every test, um, but I wanted to find a way uh, to do this to mock it out automatically without having to change all the tests, but sometimes be able to not mock it out. So there are obviously a couple of tests where you want to to test this kind of functionality and then you want to tell it to not mock it out. So um, yeah, it's in the article. I, I posted a little uh, code snippet. So what I use uh, is a a fixture that's set on auto use and it goes into into the module that, that makes the p open call and, and mocks it out I, I actually i really love this this example and i like that you i like that you set it up as an auto use i think it's a good use for an auto use fixture but then you also um, paid attention that there are cases where you're not going to want to have it happen um, so there's certain tests that if if a test is really testing that pdf functionality then um, you can mark the test with "Don't mock the PDF output" or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's a great way to get around it because I mean, the first my first thought is to uh, what only mock it when you want to mock it, but then that's most of the tests. Um, and and flipping that logic of just marking the tests that need it to be not mocked, I think that's a great idea. This is, of course, helpful for people that are printing PDF reports using this tool. However, I think it's an interesting idea just to think about the code under test, what you're testing. There might be some expensive operations going on that for a lot of the tests don't have to be done because that's not the focus of your test. And uh, looking for ways to stub out functionality, uh, it does change. It changes the system under test. um, But if... It's also speeds up the uh, the testing quite a bit. Uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and you can think about different com- different uh, applications for this. I don't know, uh, making external uh, calls to external services or something that you just want to block for the whole test suite and don't want to think about it for every test. Are you happy with the how fast your suite is now? Yeah, I'm happy with it, and I'm definitely also or even more happy about the things that that I just learned on the way. Uh, if you when you have the time, and I think I worked on this for on and off for about two or three weeks, and if you have the time to just dive into these things, it gets really fun, and you just you just the, the understanding that you that you uh, have uh, after this. Well, you probably have a a really good understanding of what everything in your test suite is doing, and probably understand your system under test better, also. Yeah, yeah definitely better than before, <laughs> at least. Yeah. Yeah, I love that you wrote about this, and I'd love to have um, I'd like to have more people talk about this. Like we had this this gnarly test thing, or even this like mildly annoying test setup that uh, we sped it up using this one method, and I think it helps other I think it helps other people. So if uh, anybody out there listening has some other cool examples, write about it, and even if you don't write about it, contact me, and maybe we can get it on the show. It'd be cool. I mean, wouldn't you like to have more people talking about this? Like you said. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we we had a good Twitter thread going there, with many people jumping in, uh, suggesting stuff. 
thanks to everyone who who participated in this. Um, I think I got all my starting points for my investigation from from that uh, Twitter thread. I mean, there's also obviously there's the obvious um, uh, suggestions like use um, you use PyTest Xdist to just uh, have your stuff run on mo multiple cores, and that's obviously a good good idea. If you just want to speed thing, uh, just throw more cores at it, right? Yeah, I just wanted to see if there are other things, and yeah, there are other things. Yeah, cool. Any future plans to? Uh... Uh, yeah, well, something I did learn uh, along the way. I didn't. I did not actually put this into the article, but um, um, actually, our test suite. Uh, so our we have some, a couple of plugins to our software, and they have their own PyTest test suite, and they use some stuff from from the core test suite, and. Um, That is something that I also overhauled for this uh, for this in, in this project, and um, for this I basically learned to ho learned how to write my own PyTest plugin and use that. Nice. Expose expose my own hooks and stuff and use them, and that's something that I found so interesting that I that's my basically my next article that I want to write, and I also actually uh, this is my uh, I think it was my first or, or second contribution to PyTest because I I just found that the documentation on that was somewhat improvable and I shot them with PR and was merged quickly. So yeah, if you read something about um, about PyTest plugin hooks, uh, some of that may be from me. The hook system is incredibly powerful and incredibly not documented enough. It's very great. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. Uh, I think I stole some of that, uh, or basically I, I borrowed some of that architecture with the, with the, um, with the hooks for our own software. Yeah. It's really cool. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. Thanks for having me. Thank you to Nicholas for this great interview and for writing about test suite optimization. Also, thank you to Patreon supporters for continuing to support the show. You can join them by going to testingco.com slash support. And a big shout out and thank you to Azure Pipelines for sponsoring this episode. Automate your builds and deployments with Pipelines so you spend less time with the nuts and bolts and more time being creative. Get started for free at azure.com slash pipelines. That link is in the, also in the show notes at testingcode.com slash 85. That's all for now. Now go out and test something. And maybe spend a little time optimizing that test suite.